0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Brace for Impact. Oftentimes, we find ourselves with many reasons for why we don't serve God. Over the course of this series, we'll zoom in to examine the lives of four individuals in the Bible who each had their own struggles with serving. We aim to discover how God is calling each of us to work for Him and has uniquely wired us for the task ahead. We're starting a new series today, and so I'm going to, here's the plan. I'm going to kind of give you an overshot, kind of what the series looks like for the next five weeks. We have five Sundays in August, Um, and so I'm going to give you kind of an overview of the series, and then we're going to jump into um, kind of God's Word today, uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Jonah. 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 Comes after Obadiah and right before Micah. It's very tiny, four chapters. You will flip past it once and flip back and then have to peel some pages. It is very small. Um, But for such a small book, it has the most recorded miracles of any book in the Bible. Did you know that? The most recorded miracles. I mean, tons of God movement in Jonah. And my hope and prayer today is that you leave different. I have been praying that as we leave these next four weeks, and really every Sunday, my central prayer is that when you, everybody look at these double doors. When you walk through these double doors this way, when you go back out that way, you are not the same. I have gone to church my entire life, and I, for many, many years, thought it was the routine, everybody say routine, to just come and hear and then go and whatever, and then school, and it had no impact on my life outside of Sunday. And if I'm honest with you, that is my worst fear for you, is that you come here and leave every week and you're no different. All of us have some in to do. Now, um, here's the overview. The whole month of August, we're talking about serving, serving um, in many capacities throughout the church. And so last year, when we were planning for this month, we talk about serving every August. Every August we talk about serving because our teams need help. Did you know that? Did you know I was about five minutes away this morning from doing the sermon from the nursery? Did you know that? Couldn't find any nursery workers. And look, some of you look up here and you're like, You have got to be kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. I promise. There are days that we come in and can't can't find people to greet folks. We, we, We don't have anybody to serve in the different capacities we need people to serve. And that impacts more than just you. It impacts those God is sending to us And so, uh, we as a church, I just, can I make a pastoral plea to you? My life was forever changed because of the impact of people who were serving around me when I was a kid. My life looks completely different now than it could have because of the impact of people who were serving around me, allowed me to serve next to them. And we are a church who declares we believe that when we encounter God, when we are impacted by God, things change. Right? Right? Yep. And that impact comes through your hands and feet. His presence works itself out. How did Jesus say that people would know we were from him? By our love for one another. How we serve one another. How did Jesus love the disciples? He he washed their feet. He sacrificed his life. Loving each other is more than just by word. It is also indeed. The New Testament would tell us that We shouldn't just be hearers, but, you know, doers. And so we want to talk for five weeks about why people say, I don't want to. Why people say, it is enough, it is enough for me as a Christian. I say, I'm a Christian, it is okay for me to come warm the pew on Sundays and that's it. I'm going to check out. And so week one, which is this week, we're going to talk about the number one excuse I don't hear, okay, because people will never admit to this. They'll come up with plethora of other reasons, but the number one reason people don't serve is because they don't want to. So today, we're going to talk about I don't want to. Uh, next week, um, we're going to talk about you don't know my past. I can't serve because you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done, Carl. Woody Jones is going to come in in the middle of the series and talk about getting in the fight. And then in week three, we're going to talk about I have issues. Anybody got issues? Yeah, okay. Safe place. And then week four, we're going to talk about I don't have the right tools. Carl, I, I, I can't serve because I, just, I don't have the right giftings to do that. Um, These are the primary ones that I hear most often, and we're going to look at from Scripture the reasons those don't work out for you, and shouldn't be reasons. Um, So if you've turned in your Bibles to Jonah, I'm going to read just a short little version up, uh, a few verses up front, and then we're going to talk about this guy named Jonah very quickly. Okay. Jonah. Chapter one, verse one says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But, everybody say but. Jonah got up. And went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He, brought, he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Let me tell you about Jonah. Anybody know a Jonah? Like literally, somebody named Jonah? I'm not asking if you knew this guy. If you did, you you might be, Ben and Joe were attending here at the time. (laughs) Um, uh, Jonah uh, was uh, one of the few prophets, very short book, but Jonah was one prophet. He had one prophecy, okay? There was a kind of a second one in 2 Kings, but His primary prophecy in the book of Jonah never actually came to pass. He was the only one to prophesy something and it didn't happen. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Um, And people take this book, can I just speak culturally for a second? People look at Jonah, right? And the first thing they think is what? The whale, the the fish, right? Right? And so there are three typical takes on the book of Jonah. There is um, kind of a mythological approach. It's kind of a, a, kind of a liberal approach, which says that the whole thing is made up. It's not real. Um, you, you will hear that quite a bit um, in culture, that, oh, well, it's just so spectacular. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Uh, the second way people approach it is allegorically, like it's a parable. Uh, people look at Jonah and they'll say, oh, well, it really means, th- it didn't really happen. It kind of just means this, and this means this, and this means this. Um, the, the problem with those first two views of Jonah is this. Jesus didn't agree with it. Uh, If you look at uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what you will find is that we take a literal, historical view of Jonah. We actually believe there was a big fish that swallowed Jonah. Now, some people won't come to this church because they think, oh, that's, that's not, that can't be. But if you ask Jesus, Jesus spoke literally to it and pointed directly to Jonah. You know when Jesus brought it up? Jesus brought it up. He said, just like Jonah went into the belly of the whale, because it was kind of um, Christological in nature, uh, just like Jonah went into the belly of the whale for three days. So I'm, I'm going to be in the grave for three days, and then I'm going to come back. So Jesus looked at Jonah as a real thing. The reason I bring that up is because we can have a tendency to kind of look at this story and take it like a, a, a fable. And what's going on in this book is just as weighty on your life as any of the rest of it. You know you don't get to pick and choose what you listen to, right? In the Bible, anyways. Um, Music, you can. I listen to Bluegrass and Southern Gospel. My wife has no parts of it. (laughs) Let me tell you a story about that. We went to a mac and cheese festival. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to serve the Lord uh, by being a good witness at the the Mac and Cheese Festival. And it was bum. I mean, it was good. So we're leaving the Mac and Cheese Festival. It's beautiful outside. I always love a good opportunity to embarrass my family. So we're rolling in in, in our car, windows down, everybody's cruising, everybody's having a good time. We roll up to a stoplight in the city of Richmond. And they are jamming in the car next to us to some type of rock, heavy metal. I mean, they are jamming. I mean, their mirrors were shaking. So I went into my phone. My family knows what's going on. They said, don't do this. Don't do this. And I find the Southern Gospel classic, the Bowling family. Yeah, and I turned that volume knob all the way up. And that dobro just started, yeah. And with pride, I leaned back and rolled the windows down at that stoplight. And We had a good five seconds till it turned green. My father-in-law was over in the corner of passenger seat like. The rest of my family's in the floorboard. You get a choice on music. You don't get a choice on the Bible. It's true. You like that circle back? Yeah. Thanks. I've been working on that. Um, Let me tell you about Nineveh. Nineveh is modern-day Iraq. Modern-day Iraq. And Nineveh was about 500 miles from Jonah. Okay, so just to give you the storyline, God comes to Jonah and says... Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to these people and pronounce my judgment upon them. I want you to do this for me. Send them this message. Now, the exact message we don't get to hear. He just says, here's the message. Yeah, I want you to pronounce this judgment. Jonah says, no way. I don't want to. And for many of us, this is our posture. My hope today is that what I can get across to you is that we need our hearts. If you're gonna write something down, write this down. We need our hearts. We need to tune our hearts about serving to God's heart about saving. We need to tune our hearts about serving at the doors, in the parking lot, at the hotels. We need to tune our hearts about serving to God's heart about saving. Jonah was not about it. He said, I don't want to. And many of us have had that same conversation with God. You wouldn't stare God down and say, I don't want to, but you'll fill your schedule with everything but serving. Yeah. Nineveh, modern day Iraq, 500 miles this way. Jonah says, I'm going the opposite way. You know where he's going? Tarshish. Um, What we assume to be Spain. You know how far Spain was away? 2,500 miles. He was going, he was not just running away from God. He was going as far away from God as he could possibly get and putting some distance between God's, call on his life, and where he was physically, he thought he could run from God. So he gets on this boat, chapter two, uh, at the end of chapter one, he gets on this boat. And you see four different times through this book that God causes things to happen. God's at work, even in his rebellion, he gets on this boat, a big storm breaks out, and if anything will bring you to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, It is being on a boat when there's a storm. Yeah. Gets on this boat. These guys on this boat could not figure out what's going on. They thought, man, we've angered one of our gods. Jonah said, no, it's me. I'm the guy. Just throw me overboard. At first, they were like, no, we don't want to throw him overboard. We value your life. Jonah says, no, go ahead and throw me overboard. And so to save their life, they throw him overboard. The storm stops. And the Bible says the Lord caused. Everybody say caused. Caused a big fish to come up and swallow him. And then we get into chapter 2 where Jonah prays this prayer. He ends the prayer with, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And the fish spits him out onto the beach. Is that how you want to go to the beach? (laughs) It's not, I promise. In verse 3, so the Lord tries this again. Hey, I need you to go to Nineveh and preach this message of judgment. And so he goes to Nineveh. He preaches the message In 40 days, God is gonna destroy all of you. Verse 10, game changer. When they heard this message, guess what happened? Guess what happened? They started mourning, they started repenting, they they turned to God. They said, Look, we hear your message, and we're gonna respond to the message. We're gonna repent, we're gonna turn to God. And verse 10 says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. And then the big question is, in chapter four, all we find out is Jonah, Mr. Prophet, he's got a book in the Bible? Look, Chapter 4, verse 1, says this. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Back up for a second and just look at this. An entire city of 120,000 people turned to the Lord And Jonah's got complaints. And this is what he says to the Lord. I love this. And this is kind of where we're going to focus today. Verse 2 said, so he complained to the Lord, chapter 4, about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I know that you are merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted isn't going to happen. If you don't kill them, kill me. They deserve it. And I don't want to watch them live it. I don't want to see them receive your grace. This is Jonah's attitude. Let that sink in for a second because Jonah's rebellious response to God's call to serve reveals more about his heart than it did the actual task. Your refusal to serve, go ahead and poke yourself in the chest, okay? Yep, just enough to where you feel it. Your refusal to obey God in serving, reveals something about your heart. And so I want to cover three things. I don't want to because... Um, and the very first thing is this. I don't want to because of hurt and fear. Any... you. you if, if you have young kids in the room or you're watching online, you got young kids, you may want to dismiss them for this moment because to I cannot downplay Nineveh. He's not rolling into New York City because that's what you picture, right? Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire and Nineveh was not New York City. In fact, um, I found... This while I was studying, many kings of Assyria had displayed proudly their cruelty towards their enemies. Sometimes in reliefs or in their annals, new Assyrian um, gave detail, the new Assyria gave detail of their gory exploits, exploits against their opponents. One of their kings laid out many of his sadistic activities in one of his reports. He liked burning, skinning, and decapitating his enemies. He defeated a rebelling city. He made sure they paid a huge price. Disobedient cities were destroyed and burned to the ground with their wealth and all their material riches taken. Their youth and women were either burned alive or made into slaves or placed in harems. In one city... A king showed how he could cut the heads of 260 rebelling soldiers and piled it together. A pile of 260 heads. Their leader of, this rebe- of these rebelling soldiers suffered horrific punishment. He was flayed open and his skin was placed on the walls of the city. In the city of Surrey, rebelling nobles were also skinned and displayed like trophies. Some skin was left out to rot. Some were placed in a stake. Officials of the city suffered decapitation of their limbs. The leader of Surrey's rebellion underwent flaying, and his skin was placed on the walls of Nineveh. So if you were to walk into Nineveh, you know what you were going to see? You weren't going to get to see all the shopping malls. It wasn't like running uptown. This was a cruel and incredibly scary group, especially if you weren't a Syrian. Jonah's an Israelite. They had already been conquered, right? Split, 10 tribes kicked out. And so after... One of the defeats of another city he ordered to cut the hands and feet of soldiers of the fallen city. Other than that, some soldiers found themselves without noses and ears. Some of the soldiers got their eyes gouged out. So let me not downplay it. It's not like God was asking him to go to friendly territory. This place was bad news, especially for him and his race. He had more than likely heard of or seen how a Syrian rule had hurt, killed, and disrupted his entire people. Many people don't want to serve because of hurt and fear. Um, and if I were to poll the room right now, I guarantee you there's someone in here who has experienced some form of church hurt. Is it okay if I be transparent for a second? My wife and I, since we have been in ministry, have had people come out against me personally. Saying, baseless. Now, as a pastor, you get used to uh, people talking about you behind your back. You just know that it's happening. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. You just know it's happening. And just a whisper of truth to you, it always comes back to me. I always hear it. I've had people come after my wife. For years. We've been, how long have we been at this? I don't know. I've been at this. 701 years we've been at this. <laughs> That's why my knee's hurting, I guess. <laughs> I've been deeply wounded by people I trusted. Family. Friends, There have been people it's been hard to go and, and gospel-y, gospel them and love them the way Christ would have me because they have stabbed me in the back. And I've met with countless people in my office who don't want to come to church because of similar experiences within the walls. That doesn't even mean outside the walls. Victims of abuse. Look at Joseph. Joseph's own brothers, right? Beat him up, threw him in a hole, sold him into slavery. How's that for a weekend? And yet, he allowed the Lord to adjust his lenses and show them mercy and grace when they needed it. Jonah was incapable of this. Many of us will say, I don't want to serve because you're scared to. You have hurt. You have fear. Jonah would have fallen into this category. But listen, we need to not allow our hearts to be tuned by our hurt and fear, right? We need to allow our hearts to be tuned by God's heart for saving and reconciliation. That's why we serve. It's not just to fill a spot. We're not just after, you know, filling up team rosters. There are people that need Jesus. Oh, and we need your help. We need to tune our hearts to God's heart for saving. Uh, So we don't want to because of hurt and fear. We don't want to because, and this is, look, this is going to dig out all the skeletons in your closet. I don't want to because I think I'm more deserving and others are not. You see, Jonah, he said it right here in verse one. Um, uh, well, in, in chapter one, verse one, God says, I've seen that they're wicked. In, in uh, Jonah's response in chapter four, verses two, uh, he says, I knew you were gonna do this. I knew you were gonna do this. And then the Lord actually responds and says, I don't know why you're so angry about it. Jonah wanted punishment. Now, some of you aren't willing to admit this today, but some people have hurt you so bad that you just want them to pay for what they've done. I have. I felt that feeling. Look, there have been many a day I think it would be much easier for me to just go cut grass than to be a pastor. And and many of you don't get to see that picture. Many of you don't get to see that. But people are people, whether they're in church or not. You just become more aware of people's sinfulness when you're in ministry. Jonah wanted judgment. Jonah wanted payback. Jonah wanted them to get what they deserved. And in doing so, get this, he... By default, he believes himself to be worthy of God's love and mercy because if he actually believed that he is a sinner, that he is, after all, he admits he's disobeyed God's command, he wouldn't have gotten so angry that God showed mercy to the people in Nineveh if he fully realized his status. He had forgotten and by default, he says, I don't want to do it because I deserve it and they don't. And by us refusing and in rebellion, saying, God, I'm not going to do what you've asked me to do. We are saying we deserve his grace and other people aren't deserving of it. You need to check your heart. Check your heart. Because many of you are hearing this and you're internalizing it by saying, oh, you know what? He's right. That preacher's right. I need to send this uh, MP3 or podcast. I need to send this to somebody else. I know they need to hear this. No, you need to hear this. You need to check your heart today. Don't just click share on Facebook. Listen, take stock of what's Jonah's heart posture is here, which is that, hey, I deserve this, they don't. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And number three, I don't want to because my mission and God's mission are different. In your flesh, hear me, you will not just opt to the things of God naturally. Um, You will always default to what's most comfortable for you. I remember the first time I went out to the hotels, um, and I thought, I was kind of uncomfortable. I mean, I had been serving in, you know, church building ministry for a long time, and I had done outreach, but it was kind of like one of those things you did once every six months, and you're like, yeah, I do outreach. Um, and I remember showing up to the hotels and realizing how uncomfortable it was. Uncomfortable. You know why? Because six minutes away from this building, there are people um, addicted to drugs, being trafficked, And it's so much easier for us to sit inside this building and turn a blind eye to it. To sit behind my TV screen and say, oh, the world's going to crap. And then I'm not going to do anything about it. It's so much easier to do that. It's more comfortable to, to make judgments about the world from my recliner instead of getting the game. I will default to what's most comfortable for me. It would be so much easier for me to schedule things that I like. And ministry is hardly ever convenient. If God dealt with Jonah and Nineveh with the same measure of justice and judgment, they both would have been toast. Jonah, oh, help me, Jesus. Jonah closed his eyes to this and became Unmerciful. Here's what happens when your mission doesn't line up with God's mission. You become numb to the needs of others. I don't want to, Carl. I don't want to. Now, many of us today won't actually say that. You you, you won't come to the foyer and say, hey, bro, I'd sign up, but I really don't want to. (laughs) Some of you would. I mean, some of you uh, are just transparent that way. But the most of us, instead of saying I don't want to, here's what you'll do. As the band comes back, I'm about to close. You won't say I don't want to. You know what you'll do? You'll fill your schedule with everything else. You'll fill your schedule with everything else. You'll say, Oh, I don't have time. Oh, it's such a busy season. Look, I've used all these excuses. As to why I can't serve the Lord. But really, what I'm saying is, I don't want to. And by saying I don't want to, what you're really saying is, I have not tuned my heart to God's heart. That's what you're saying. Your schedule's more important, your comfort is more important. To put it down to a single word, you're selfish. Yeah, a lot of folks, I can see some of you like, man, this is awful. I just feel terrible. I'm not coming back here. I want to go down the street to the church that preaches, you know, about how God's just going to, you know, shower blessings on me and and everything's peachy keen and I can sit in my recliner and make my judgments and feel good about it. Can I also point out one other thing? There's a cost to your disobedience. There's a cost to your disobedience. Your willful, rebellious disobedience has collateral damage. The one I can point to right off the bat is Jonah on the boat. In his rebellion, he pulled into his rebellion these, these poor fishermen. And I'm telling you, When you are disobeying God, you're not the only one being affected. There were people in Nineveh waiting. There were the people on the ship. So my question really is this. What is your Nineveh? What is God wanting of you that you don't want? God loves all people. Do you? Of course, of course, of course, I love all people. You know, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but what does that look like? What does that look like? What does love look like? There's a song I heard many years ago. Many years ago. Let me read you the first verse. Listen to this. I dreamed, I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked on the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, and then someone called your name. You turned, and you saw this young man, and he was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now, but then he said, but Wait. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day, when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am alive. That was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Ray Bolt sang that song many years ago. And I have to ask myself this question. When I behold Jesus... Is that going to be my story? Where I faithfully served, and that ripple, people come up to me and say, hey, you may not know this, but that one time you came down to the hotel and you knocked on my door, I took your food, and then I really didn't want prayer. But when you came back in the weeks to come, I started to see Jesus in you, in your serving. Or maybe the story would be, hey, I came, I know you. I visited your church, and you were working in the parking lot, and I'd had a terrible week. My family's falling apart. But I stepped out of my car, and you smiled at me, and you waved your hand, and I felt at home. And I never could fix that feeling. And then I realized it was Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for serving. Or maybe you're the parent of a baby. And say, hey, you know what? You watched my baby one day in nursery. Or you taught my kid in kids' church and and he came home or she came home and she told me the gospel story about Jesus and I gave my heart to him. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What will be your story? Who's going to show up in heaven? Because you were faithful in serving the Lord and you didn't say, I don't want to. You didn't allow the hurt and fear to change things. You didn't, you corrected your heart posture through the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, other people matter to God too. You decided on August 1st, 2021, that God, I want to tune my heart towards serving to your heart towards saving. Please know that what we're asking for, and I'm I'm gonna fill you in on what's going on in the back, but what we're asking for in response the next five weeks, you know what the response time is? If you're not serving, you need to be. Because not only will that impact result in people seeing Jesus, let me tell you something, when you serve God, you get to see God in ways that you've never seen Him before. You experience God here, yes, and amen. I am so glad for the encounters we have here, but there is nothing, there is nothing like meeting someone at their point of need outside of these walls, grabbing their hands and saying, I don't necessarily know what you're going through, but I know who knows. I know who cares. And it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus sees you and their life be changed forever. You get to experience things in serving that you would never get to experience elsewhere. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing about being available to Him. As we worship today, just had to check my own heart. Am I making, is Carl making himself available to the Lord? And I want you to ask yourself that very question right now. Are you making yourself available to him? Are you tuning your heart about serving to his heart towards saving? Father, we thank you today for your word for its impact on us. Lord, let us leave changed. Let us make ourselves available to you. I'm so thankful today, Father, that I had Sunday school teachers, a parent, and friends, and door greeters that, as I grew up, would point me towards you. I am a product of your grace I am a product of your mercy your mercy and grace expressed through the hands of faithful servants through the cross of Jesus Christ help us to serve you today help us to make ourselves available to you